Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live... F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. The title of today's show is Lewis and His Indestructible Front Wings. Yeah, those things had nine lives. That title by Michael Clays on Twitter. We are reviewing the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, and I'm joined by Matt. Two rumpets. Have you had a good afternoon, Matt? Well, yes. I mean, and no, because obviously the show is very close to the end of the unbelievably long race. So there's a bit of scrambling around to make sure you have the basic facts nailed down. But I gotta say, my heart was racing at the start. It was. It's. It's gotten exciting again. It really has. So I had a house brief before the race because I was reminded that I've had two house control reprimands for oh, shouting. Dear. The last of which was after actually the qualifying uh, session on Saturday, and I may have cheered awfully loudly, and I, I may have moved slightly closer to my Dutch neighbour's shared wall than was entirely necessary. Uh, but I got a big talking to. Just control yourself. And I was doing I was doing pretty well until the the incident with the letting past and the, the two cars coming together front to rear. And uh, I'm I'm in significant trouble at home. Like, I think she's fed up. Are, are you down for a shed reprimand? Is that what we're going to get? You've oh, got three uh, reprimands. So out to the shed you go. It, it's possible. I, I don't want to know what, uh, what a house ban looks like. But uh, I think she's pretty pleased that this season is, is coming to is coming to an end. But I have to say, I'm going to make one point, Matt, because I've, right. got, I've got a plan here. I've got an admin plan. We're going to get to the Lewis versus Max stuff very early in the show. Uh, however, I, I love lording it over you when i when i'm right about something and i argued with you about who cares about the world con- the constructors championship it's all about the drivers championship and christian hornier literally said to the sky team yeah it's it, the drivers championship is the one we want it's the one we've wanted it's the one the glory is all attached to i just obviously i'm just saying i'm right i don't think i've heard toto wolf 
say that yet. Maybe he's got a few more shareholders to, to speak to than Christian has. Uh, so basically what you're saying is you agree with Horner and I agree with Toto. Okay, I'll take that. That's fine. You know me. I'm totally neutral because we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong. We'll we're first. <laughs> Returning to the shed is our professional race driver, Bradley Philpot. Welcome back to the shed, Brad. Hey, Spanners. Um, that was a, that was an evening's viewing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was all right. It's quite emotional. Uh, I had very low expectations of what this track would be, but damn. Yeah, the track. I thought the track would actually be exciting, just because we knew it was going to be super high speed with lots of risk. I didn't know how it was going to lend itself to racing. And I'm sure we'll get onto it later, but I, I think it was it ended up being pretty much what I expected, with maybe a bit more overtaking than I would have expected at first. Okay, and we've also got trackside commentator, not trackside pitchside commentator, Ellen Ellard, joining us in the shed as well. Hello, Ellen. Hello. Uh, we got through the race with everyone intact. Thank goodness. That was my first fear, but my goodness, there are long periods of this weekend where I didn't breathe. That's the thing, isn't it? I feel like I was in the car. I feel like I've raced. Like, I am so tired. I was just sat there and I was like, you know, I was. I remember being um, at Silverstone this season and mm. when the red flag happened at Silverstone, I was like, oh, good. I can have a bit of a lie down, close my eyes for a bit and then wake up and hopefully it'll be fine. And as soon as the first red flag happened, there you go, that's how tired I am, easy for me to say. I was like, right, okay, right, hopefully. <laughs> this gives me a bit of time to just gather myself and have yeah. a bit of like a deep breath. And no, it just kept coming, didn't it? It was intense. It's been an intense afternoon. It's been very full on. It's emotional, like emotionally draining as well. There's lots going on, lots to unpack on that front. But yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to sleep well tonight, that's for sure. Yeah, it's not even, yeah, but that's because that's of the gin. Ellen, uh, there there is lots to unpack and it was emotional, but not just this afternoon. I think the whole weekend, Matt, the second I saw cars on track and the second I sort of realised that if there's any kind of incident and there was definitely going to be incidents on a track like that, there's cars coming around blind corners. And I I was so worried before the before the race weekend that the track wasn't going to be ready. And, you know, me, I'm a bit of a, a bit of an old man when it comes to safety. You know, I think. I think we have to win every day. Death only has to win just one single time. So I, I fight particularly hard when it comes to safety. Uh, but lots of people were sending me pictures for like a very unfinished things. And you thought, well, if, if they've not finished the paddock, if they've not finished the garages, if they've taken shortcuts in this area, let's hope they really focused on the track. But in the end, it wasn't like a lack of the track being finished per se. It was the design. The design just terrified me. The blind corners, I just didn't know how a driver was going to avoid an accident. Yeah, it's interesting to me because, you know, we've had discussions uh, in the past with uh, Matthew Carter's associate who's designing their track for the Vancouver E-Prix. And I've learned a little bit about the standards that FIA requires when, when you build a track and the massive tomes of information as an engineer you're required to take into account and how they test and model crashes. But I do wonder if they're not missing out by not having simulated races on those tracks before they approve them. Because what seems to be to be missing is not so much what happens to a car in a crash, because we saw several big shunts into the walls. Yeah. Drivers were all okay. So I think they did the job there. 
but it's the secondary effects of cars back onto track and the driver's mm. ability and time to react to them that seems like maybe they missed a little bit. So I agree with you there. Yeah, and you know, it's that same argument we were having with Spa with uh, cars coming back on track, but thankfully that didn't that didn't seem to be a particular issue, Brad, but the racing itself, how did you rate this track for somewhere to go racing? Or would you go would you go back? Would it be on your dream calendar? Okay, so setting aside any of the the issues potentially with the the country itself, the circuit layout and the dangers posed by it left me unsettled all through the weekend. I didn't really enjoy watching the races here. I'd enjoy it as a sim race. I'd enjoy it knowing that no one was actually in any danger. But uh, every lap I was watching, I I was aware that at any point there could be something extremely serious happen. And all you have to do is look at what happened to Alonso where he was left perpendicular to the racing line if a car had had actually hit him after he'd spun we would have extremely bad injuries Mm. we'd be dealing with right now if not worse so we should counter this by saying like my opinion is tempered by just being like a you know an old cardigan wearing you know like oh don't do anything dangerous i'm a 41 year old dad but you're like a nordschleife vln class champion and that's you saying you were worried about the safety yeah definitely i'd say the Having watched some of the the marshalling this weekend, and this is nothing against the marshals themselves, it's just because of the the limitations of the track layout and the speeds of the cars involved. But I'd say the racing that I've done in the past at the Nordschleifer is massively safer because of the way that's marshalled. And despite the track being obviously dangerous and tricky, uh, the speeds of the cars are obviously much lower. So this is kind of similar proximity of barriers, but with vastly quicker cars. I think one of the things that was a bit telling for me and where I started to get a little bit frustrated, like I had the same concerns before when you just look at the layout of the track, how narrow it is and, you know, how there's very, very little to no room for error at all. As I know they were talking about a lot more in the latter stages, you know, when, you know, you're taking into considerations that uh, Lewis and, and Max would finish level on points. But when we had the red flag, or both red flags, and they were talking about the type of restarts that we're going for, yeah. when Sky, when the team kept hammering sort of like the, the differences between going for a rolling and just a standing when they were saying I would maybe prefer to see a rolling start because then you get the chance of more cars getting away safely Cleanly, yeah. when you've got when you're saying that surely that's making the argument for the fact and answering the question is is the track fit for purpose yeah. is it safe <laughs> if you can't make it 200 yeah. meters to the first turn yeah. it's not safe do you, do you know like I was just like if you're if you can't start the race without fear of a crash yeah, that brings a little bit of excitement. You know, I've seen so many people, you know, getting involved on Twitter today being like, oh yeah, exciting race, all of that, whatever. But yeah. when it's not safe, like where, where's, the, where's the line there? There's, there's different kinds of fans, isn't there? And I personally, I don't have that gladiator, bloodlust, there must be danger, uh, all that kind of stuff. I don't get that. Some people might email us, feedback at mistapex.net. Uh, but Matt, the, the point that Ellen's raised there is that that rolling start is normally reserved for kind of dangerous wet conditions, completely dry track. And yet there's still people going, oh, maybe we should do a rolling start. If, if they don't do this track again, like I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. I'm fine because I think maybe we were lucky-ish. Well, the good news for you is that um, if it happens again, it's probably only going to be one more season because they're building a permanent circuit. Okay. To have the rest of the races on. This is, I think, a bit more of a one-off. And I don't, I'm not sure what else it might be used for after this. Ellen? I think, I think the other thing as well is sort of the placement in the calendar. 
you know, it's been put at, at like a pivotal part, like not, I don't even think pivotal is the right word. I don't even think that sums it up properly. It's been put at the, the most fiery, the most like everything yeah. basically yeah, yeah, yeah. came down to this race and now it will come down to next week. But like it could, everything could have been tied up this race mm. and they've put it in here where there's so much going on in the minds of the drivers. There's, there's like so many outward mm. influences at this point and they've gone and whacked a completely new track and it's not just like a completely new track. It's a completely new track with very limited runoff and literally no margin forever. They've gone and whacked that in in the penultimate race of the season. So I think calendar timing as well didn't help the the whole sort of like safety when you're taking in consideration all the outward influences alongside that. Okay. But from a, a positive point of view, and I think I'll go to you, Brad, I think when we first saw this in, in practice, we were really pessimistic about turn one because it's very tight back on itself. Uh, but actually, turn one looked okay. Uh, turn 13 with the the banked corner seemed to help cars stay at least close enough so that they could go and attack. You know, it was like, you know, a bit indoor kart track, a bit street circuity where you had your one big place to overtake. But I think that the turn one, maybe it, it didn't turn out as bad as we, we thought. Take away the, the danger element we mentioned. I actually liked some of the sections and the drivers obviously did. They were, they were giving it quite a lot of praise after practice and, and qualifying, I think in terms of enjoyment of driving, but that's, that's kind of in isolation a, a, apart from driving in anger in a race. And when you've got, you know, differences in speeds where people are slowing down to start flying laps, all that kind of thing. So in isolation, there's a tractor hot lap where you know that there's, you know, there's no one round the blind corner in front of you who might be doing half your speed. I actually did like some of the sections, the corners you point out, but in particular, the really high speed sweeps between the walls. I'm sure they were very exciting, um, but yeah, I, I'm not desperate to come back. And yet I would say to you, show me someone who hated this track after qualifying on Saturday, except for maybe Max. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and certainly as a hot lapping track, it looked, I think it looked spectacular. The the walls, I mean, it's the trick that Formula E employ, isn't it, Matt? Which is because in Formula E, you know, the cars, they started off slower. They had a lot of catching up to do. But if you make it a street circuit and uh, you put the walls in close and you don't pan out too much and you use the right angles you can make it seem a bit faster i think it, this looked deadly fast from a qualifying point of view it there was the wow factor was there yeah and i think to an extent that influenced people's perceptions but i do want to say one more thing say it and we're going to talk about the the quality of racing at the front but i would just yeah. suggest politely <laughs> that if we had had a different kind of a race at the front people's perceptions of the circuit might actually be quite a bit different. Yeah, that's a good point. But we uh, we didn't have a different race. No, we sure didn't. The, up at the front, did we? We didn't have a different race, and we are going to dive right in. Normally, we would kick off with a bit of a, a strategy chat, but when there's such a big ticket event such as this, we are going to go straight to the battle between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Okay, emotions are running high. I'm looking at the live stream figures. I suggest none of the panel go and look because it's frightening. And obviously, this does end up being quite partisan. And I look at my Twitter timeline. I I don't mind the fact that I will come across emotional and reactionary sometimes during the race. That's real. Uh, That is me. You could probably tell which side of the Max versus Lewis. I mean, just sometimes you can see which side I'm slightly leaning towards. Um, But then I sit back and I try and find 
not only just the middle ground, I try and find where other people will be angry, where other people will be, uh, will be getting emotional. And you listen to Toto Wolf, there's one version of events. You listen to Christian Horner. It's like it was a different race. So there's two definite and distinct narratives in this battle between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. And what I would urge you to do is not be too hard on somebody who is directly on the opposite side of that. Try and remember that people on social media funnel the content that they want towards them. Yeah, so we are all doom scrolling. We're looking for people who agree with us, but make us angry. Yeah, people in the UK, they tune into LBC, but only when it's either James O'Brien or uh, I've forgotten the other one or or Nick Ferrari. You know, you, you pick the one that you agree with and you want to make you angry and riled up. And I think there's a fair share of being riled up. Um, so let's try and have uh, as fair a look as we can at the incidents because there was loads. And what I will say, first off, is that I don't love this kind of racing map. I know it's dramatic. I know we've had loads of incidents, tons of talking points, flexi wings, stewarding. Uh, did you gain an advantage? Did you try and make the corner? Where was the brake trace? Where was the onboard? Where, where's the missing onboard, Brazil? I don't think it's actually good racing. I, I'm not sure I've enjoyed it. I'll try and explain better later, but I'm not sure we're looking back and going, there's been brilliant racing. There's been drama. Well, I would go with, um, I have two analogies for you. From Ooh, the I like community. an analogy. Okay. One would be the difference between watching Mike Tyson and watching Muhammad Ali. Some people like the way Ali fights. Some people like the way Tyson fights. But more to me, really, and this is a very niche North American, more North American one, is hockey. Because there are teams and players who are clean and fast and skate. And then there you have your enforcers. Some people like hockey for the enforcers. Mm. Some people like them yeah. for the scorers. It, it, and You're probably right. there's a similar analogy in football, as your football as well, I guess. Well, yeah, no. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Like, do people in hockey, ice hockey, do they like the fights when the gloves are off? I'm sure there's some people who are like, oh, boring, get on with it. Or let's we don't want to see those toothless, quote unquote, heroes scrapping it out. We want to see good stick skill and, and f1 is a broad church and some people do want to just see that complete rules off let them let them loose go for it wild west stuff um some people just want to see the glamour and the fast cars and some people like me i i want to see the sport of it i want to see people fighting within the rules and trying to you know seeing interesting tactics evolve brad's from a racing driver point of view are you getting enjoyment from this season, from this style of racing? So I've said this multiple times through the season, and this won't be a surprise to anyone, but um, I, I like good racing, and this comes from no bias towards one driver or another if we had Ocon versus Norris for the title. Right. And one of them, one was, day. One of them was racing cleanly within the rules, and the other one was often flagrantly either stretching those rules or, or just going completely beyond them and receiving little um, penalty for it or, or little kind of deterrent, I wouldn't enjoy that as a spectacle because it's not, it's not good racing. It's not actually sporting racing, as you mentioned. So, so no, I, I don't enjoy this at all. Uh, I'm frustrated. And, and you can see I'm keeping a real lid on my emotions here. I'm frustrated that <laughs> it, keep, it keeps happening. And it keeps yep. happening with, I, I hate to say it, one particular driver again and again and again. 
and wait, and, wait, wait, hang on a minute. No spoilers. We don't we don't know which sides of things Brad is going to fall I on. I haven't said. I haven't said at yeah, all. No. Said. But um, Ellen, are we being a bit? Oh, are we being a bit emotional here because it is entertainment after all. No, like I, I agree. I, um, you know, I obviously like. I think anyone who emotionally invests and puts time and you know, watches sport for the enjoyment of it, wants to see fair racing. We want to see like it down to the line. We want to see seasons like we have seen. We want it to be fair and we want it to be safe. And again, like everyone knows sort of where I lie with the sport as well. And being one of those fans who's sort of growing up and growing into it over sort of the past decade, you know, I like the entertainment. I like the glitz. I like the glamour. Like I'm a, (laughs) I love that side of it as well. Yeah. But I can't say that I got much of either of those bits of enjoyment from today at all. No, I think, Brad, we might be descending a little bit into WWE territory. And it's, I don't think it's by design. It's no one's fault. That just, it looks like it's, it's, it's a soap opera at the moment. So you say it's no one's fault. But I, what I want to say is that this kind of, the, and we're not getting <laughs> yeah, okay. into specifics yet, but this yeah. kind of uh, racing, in inverted commas, where you see effectively over and over one driver just forcing another driver off and killing that particular race you might have um, given away who you're talking about if i'm honest Brad. Uh, that when that is allowed to perpetuate there is someone at fault uh, and there's a kind of a combination there's the fault of the person doing that driving and, and doing the continued forcing people off and and not staying within the confines of the track for example and there's also the fault of the people um, enforcing the rules in allowing it to continue and in fact almost endorsing it through lack of penalty at some yeah. races and we can get into specifics okay later well let's get into the specifics now let's go through the incidents because there's there's about three or four distinct things and i think the the first one probably look we are going to do one and lost in strategies in a bit after this really we're starting after the red flag i think matt is is fair to say the first like incident between lewis and uh, and verstappen verstappen and hamilton was after the red flag really the start was very clean very sensible. Uh, they, the Mercedes got a good start and they did uh, what we've been dying for them to do and wondering why they're not doing it, which is really covering the track properly. And this track made that relatively easy. You just, just had to dominate that inside four or five car widths. But after that red flag, we see Hamilton and Verstappen going for it. Hamilton gets the better start down the inside and, and that move to the outside, which puts which, well, basically it does force Verstappen, there's no contact, it forces him to the outside, but it's a move we've seen time and time again. And then Verstappen jumps back on at turn two. There's the indication that, nope, we weren't going to have a nice drama-free race. Here's your first, here's your apparatif of drama, sir. Yeah, and it was an interesting thing because Max had benefited from the red, from the safety car turning into the red flag and that he got a free pit stop and was able to put on the hard tires. But as has been noted by me and almost everyone else who, with a pulse who's paying attention, <laughs> uh, Mercedes does like that hard tire better than the Red Bull does. And in fact, uh, Max was uh, quite livid about the amount of time Lewis was taking to get to the grid because the yeah. amount of time that he took to get there was just icing he was icing just like you do a field goal kicker in american football he was icing verstappen's tires and matt am i right in saying that despite the the protests from red bull and and other people i've seen on social media about lewis going slowly to the grid that wasn't actually illegal because it wasn't a formation lap it was a a 
effectively a safety card restart, a red flag restart. So the same rules don't apply. So Max complaining that Lewis wasn't staying close enough, they were, he was complaining about a rule which didn't exist. Okay, on a technicality, that's fair. But that was proper cheeky from Hamilton and he knows exactly what he was doing and he was aiming to give himself an advantage in a non-race way. So he was using like every kind of trick in the book and I don't blame Verstappen for being upset with that, Matt. No, uh, but this is, again, the game being played at every single level. Mm. Because after all, I mean, we'll talk about it later. After all, there's not a good reason for Lewis to have been starting second on the grid, except for that he was. And and basically the team said, yeah, you're just going to need to put pressure on him. And he knew from past experience that it drives Max bonkers to have to wait up i mean i mean like it's happened before we've heard this radio traffic before this is not a it's not a news flash it's not breaking news when lewis runs his tire heat cycles and gets ready to start it takes way longer than when the red bull does and and if max is in the lead he really 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 doesn't like it ellen it was proper cheeky and i i don't love it i don't love it they were playing games, weren't they? But that's the thing. They were playing games, but I felt like they are playing games that necessarily, in like a damage limitation way, didn't actually hurt anyone. Um, they were playing games. They were pushing the limits, as they do, in like a cheeky way. You saw yeah. Bottas as well. Bottas was, and I think that could have changed. You know, we're talking, like I've seen a bit of chat on Twitter as well on whether, you know, if Bottas wouldn't have held up Max, whether that would have changed the situation as well, oh, yeah. but no, I'm not sure that. if it would. It would just be whether, you know, whether Max, I don't think Max was technically planning to, to pit, but, you know, Bottas was being cheeky as well. And I think if Max, if it was the other way around and Max was in that car and in that situation, he would absolutely <laughs> do the same. They're, they're yeah. as bad as each other when it comes to these little, like, picking away, these little things where you can get marginal games, gains even, they're, they're all doing it. They're all at it. I just want to point out, entirely within the rules and completely not illegal. So just to put that kind of cap on that. Okay, okay. What about the incident itself, Matt? So, uh, Brad, there's two phases to this. There's the the entry to the corner where where Hamilton takes all of the exit and then there's the the stuff after the corner once Max rejoins. Yeah, so we're talking about the the safety car, sorry, the the red flag restart where Hamilton gets a really blinding start. When you see from the helicopter view, he's very, very far ahead of Max, kind of halfway down the straight. And from Max's onboard, Lewis comes past like a rocket. And and at that point, you'd be thinking, okay, there's not really any way on the outside to go around that car in front. The only way is to completely cut the corner. So Max puts his car on Lewis's outside. He he outbreaks him slightly to to draw roughly alongside. And Lewis takes the ordinary racing line into the corner, knowing from from experience of probably the first start, and if you watched any of the F2 races, it was extremely rare for someone to make a move around the outside their stick because of the way the track actually kind of comes back towards you. Mm. So the racing line naturally ends up at the apex of, of effectively turn two, the right-hand part. And there's not really any room for a car to go around the outside unless they're very much alongside doing the same speed as you yeah. and turning at the same rate. So Max effectively chanced it by se- just got get, to get alongside Lewis to say, I'm kind of here. And then immediately aborted, floored it across the runoff area and just yeah. cut the corner. Just took the position by by cutting the corner so and if i'm yeah go on if i'm not remembering incorrectly he then understeers kind of onto the track forces lewis wide and ocon comes through to take the lead okay so there's two things there so yeah so firstly on the rejoin he's pretty much at 90 degrees so he's definitely making like the quickest 
angle back onto the track that he can, similar to, to Monza, where he ends up being kind of 90%. By the time he gets to the rejoin point, he's at kind of a 90-degree angle going straight into to Hamilton. But the, the, the thing for me is there's a pattern now with Verstappen versus Hamilton. When, when Hamilton has an overtaking move, and you can probably look at Silverstone, uh, these, are, these are the ones where it's Hamilton overtaking, um, Silverstone, Monza, Brazil, he is basically, Brad, just, he's, he's going in so hot that he was not going to make the corner. So even today on the outside, he didn't look like there was any, he didn't look like he was going to make the corner, but then had to jink out at the last minute. His trajectory was always going off and it seems to be his mo that to defend he is absolutely launching it into corners it's it's the most aggressive defense that we've we've seen in modern f1 consistently and i i don't know maybe that's maybe that is the future of how we go racing yeah and this is where i really take issue with the way this has been policed because um it's it's kind of cultivated this behavior from Max and maybe other drivers if they start to pay attention to what what's being allowed to happen. Well, they should. Max, do, Max does exactly what you say. He effectively, when he's challenged for a position, when mm. he's in a fight for a position where he's trying to defend an overtake um, or trying to trying try to make an overtake himself, rather than staying within the limits of of what you can actually get away with in terms of entry speed with the space you've got, he will go in unrealistically quickly with no chance of ever actually making the corner and then claim I've been forced off. Or, well, the other driver went off as well, so it's fine. Which is actually what Red Bull tried to do again today. In Brazil, they tried that as well, yeah. Exactly at Brazil, same thing, the same kind of claim. Well, the other driver went off, so it's fine. Not not paying any attention to the fact that the other driver only went off because your driver went off. Mm. Um, And it's it's this kind of never having a chance of actually making the corner. Similar with the next move we'll probably talk about when, when Lewis was trying to pass him later on. No chance of making the corner, but he thinks that's fine because he, he maintains the position or retakes the position. Well, I hesitate to disagree with an esteemed professional with a reputation such as yourself. Me, but he here means, I go. He means me, guys. He's talking about Spanners, not Brad. The fact that Max was off track at turn one, is it really the nut of the issue? The only so, so, issue was the rejoin, in my opinion. So when he came back on... He interfered with, he actually looked like he made a slight bit of contact with Hamilton and interfered with him and forced him to go to avoid more of a collision, or if there was no contact, to avoid a collision entirely, forced him out very wide. And that was what let Ocon get by because he lost so much pace there and then left Ocon in second and Verstappen in first. So it's not that he took to the outside to get round at the restart. Really, if you're going to point at anything, it would just be the rejoin. Well, in Max's defense, the, the speed that he'd gone across that runoff at, uh, he, he couldn't really do a lot more. It didn't look to me like as he rejoined, he unwound the steering, although I haven't looked at that particularly closely. It looked to me like he was trying to make a very acute angle. But the fact remains that that was his fault because he chose to floor it across the inside of the corner. And Max understands better than almost anybody what the physics of driving a Formula One car through a tight corner are, and that that's what is going to happen if you floor it across that particular corner, especially with cars all coming through, you know, at the start of, of a race or a restart. And so on my view, it was the penalty or being asked to swap back was down to him um, gaining a position off track rather yeah. than an unsafe rejoin. Although I would argue that it was both <laughs> an unsafe <laughs> rejoin caused by his own actions 
And, uh, you know, because in a normal situation, I just want to make this clear, this kind of thing we're seeing is not normal. It's becoming normalized, but it isn't normal. In most racing, drivers are fair enough that if you clearly aren't on for a move, like Max wasn't at that turn one, you know, Lewis had the high ground massively. Most drivers concede the position and slot in behind. That's what you're that's what you're supposed to do. You are not supposed to just drive across the grass and keep the position. That's only becoming normalized because it's a thing that we're seeing particular drivers do often and go relatively unpunished. And just to sort of like piggyback on the back of Brad's point is he wouldn't have to unsafely rejoin the track and dangerously rejoin the track if he wasn't off the track in the first place based off the move that he couldn't make. Yeah. And he, and you could say, well, Hamilton forced him off, but again, that's, that's kind of going back to the people are saying, that's back to your initial point. Exactly. It's the back and forth. Normally you're supposed to slot in, not just go, well, I'll just go off. Well, hang on a minute, Brad, you're advocating just drivers just giving up. Like, don't we want to see fights from drivers? And what we have seen consistently from Max Verstappen in his whole career, and we said, would it translate when he's in a title fight? Well, well, look, we're in a title fight and it has translated. He's taken it all the way to the wire and arguably he's taken it all the way to the wire because he was aggressive at Imola, because he puts drivers on the outside, because he never gives up on a defending move and launches it into a corner. Maybe he wouldn't be here in this title race if he didn't do all those things. So what what do you want? What do you want from these races? Do you want you want Verstappen just to, to lie down and hand it to Hamilton? That's a good good attempt at a defence. But no, I'm not advocating drivers giving up. I'm advocating drivers just racing cleanly and fairly. And when a corner is actually lost, admitting that it is, rather than belligerently just hanging on beyond the point where it's impossible to maintain position legally. And yet, and and I take your point about the normalization of this maneuver, but it doesn't seem to me to be a surprise, especially at a standing start into a very short turn one, that someone would carry too much speed into it. I mean, didn't we see um, multiple cars locking up because they got it all wrong further back down the field. I mean, he just literally took to the runoff to avoid the back of Hamilton. And given the runoff he had to work with, I mean, he did, he came back on as best he could. And because of the collision behind him, simply didn't have a chance to yield the position, which is what would have happened without much fuss had the race carried on. I think that's a very um, kind way of looking at it. But I also think you underestimate Max Verstappen's judgment and skills, if you put it that way, <laughs> because he knows full well the speed yeah. that you, you drive across a certain piece of track, what angle that's going to necessitate rejoining at. And it didn't look to me like he had much of a, a kind of uh, thought about giving a position back. It, it, I think he yeah. was just trying to use the argument, I was forced off and therefore I get to keep this position. Hey guys, just wanted to interrupt the show very briefly. As you know, we've got an ongoing promotion with Race Weekend magazine and uh, they are friends of the show. Magnus Greaves runs a fantastic company that gives you massive A3 picture-filled coffee table style magazines that will look good in any home. These are the ideal Christmas present for the F1 fan in your life. So click the the top link in the show notes below go to race weekend magazine and see if you want to take up their four magazine $100 subscription with free postage and packaging to the US and UK but they will deliver worldwide i believe and magnus has been awfully generous and he is giving us 15% of every sale there's been a great take up so far and really positive feedback 
I don't think you'll be disappointed if you order these magazines. I have them in my house. They make us feel like posh F1 fans. And uh, yeah, I think no one will be disappointed if these end up in their Christmas stocking. So go and click the show notes below and uh, consider checking out Race Weekend magazine. All right, back to the Max and Lewis stuff. Okay, so we're going to go on to the the next one. Uh, And this is his overtake on another restart, the second restart. Well, I don't know. I've lost track now. I think it's the second second restart. restart. Yeah, the second restart. I want to make this point now, though. Me personally, because I know some of you follow Brad's Twitter account, and I know some of you hate follow Brad's Twitter account as well. He is honest. He he is robust. I I get that. Um, However, I want to be clear personally. I don't actually really blame Max Verstappen for this. There's several factors in in the Max Verstappen thing. Firstly, he has absolutely, he's tried these moves and not been punished for them. So why wouldn't he? He he knows that you can effectively leave track and then rejoin like he did at Monza. It's no different. He didn't really get a major penalty at Monza because it worked out fine. Uh, he, He just took the engine penalty and then that penalty got absorbed. So he essentially got away with that and stopped Hamilton getting a points advantage. He's changed the racing rules effectively of F1 by going out to the corners and, you know, on the outside and pushing people wide. At Brazil, he was absolutely taught that you can go deep on the inside and just go straight, and that's just fair racing. And then you look at the reaction of the Red Bull team on the radio to all of those things. Anytime he does get punished now, that was was so unfair, Max. That was super bad. Yeah, and then you look at the pressure that he is probably under having the whole focus of Red Bull on his shoulders. And I don't know if you saw it, Ellen, but did you see Josh Verstappen's reaction to the qualifying mistake? I, I can't say I did, but I, oh. saw, I, I noticed that the camera was on him a lot during the race. And I saw, obviously, you know, his reaction through yeah. that. And it wasn't, it, it, there is a lot of pressure on him. And I like fully appreciate that. But the team, like I agree, the team aren't helping at all. And I think today we saw a slight bit of pushback, which I think is needed. But it is getting to the stage where it's just sort of that all gather round and sort of make sure that he's like, I don't know what's the right word. Like he he doesn't the accountability isn't there from the team. And there was a slight bit of it today. I get that he's under the pressure, but the team situation just doesn't help at all. Yeah, yeah, and I th- I, th- I I think he's like. You know, he's like Simba in the Lion King. Okay, I'm not sure I regret starting this analogy, but you know, he has been kind of ordained from birth and then he has been lifted up as the champion, the champion for Jos Verstappen, the champion for Red Bull, the champion for everybody who doesn't want Lewis Hamilton to keep winning. And I get that. As cool as he tries to play it, Brad, as cool as he says, oh, it won't affect my life either way. Of course, he's under horrendous pressure. And also... He is he is just driving to to this to the he he is the water that has filled the puddle that has has been assigned to him. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said, and and I I think despite whatever he might claim, he obviously is under pressure. All the drivers say, "I'm not I'm not looking at the championship." You know, all the way through, they say, "I'm just focusing on the next race, etc." But I guarantee you, they are looking at the championship a lot. They do feel the pressure. I just whilst I'm talking and it's my turn, I just want to point <laughs> out that I've just seen some additional evidence about that move we were just talking about and where I was okay. trying to be quite fair and say Max had no choice in the angle he came back on the track okay. I just watched his onboard over and over and it's uh, he actually makes very little attempt to mm. cleanly get back on 
holds as little steering as he can to force Hamilton as wide okay. as possible. And only once he's back on the track and knows he's forced Hamilton wide, does he then actually attempt to yeah. turn the corner. And it's in stark contrast to the next move we're going to talk about, or one of the next ones. Yeah, yeah. When he really cuts across the corner and he makes it easily with a lot more steering. So actually, I retract how fair I was being to Max about <laughs> okay. the first move. Okay. Look, we could put it another way. I'm going to put it another way. I'm going to put it to you, Matt. Brazil, okay. what Brad has just described, Monza, does this not show that Max has got absolutely supreme and wonderful car placement talent? He knows exactly where to put his car and he has danced the limit of whether that would be punished, whether it will be an accident. Like, like it is it is a new phenomenon. You know, this is like, you know, a new boxer. This is like Muhammad Ali floating like a butterfly. You know, there was a there was a time in like bare knuckle boxing where it was considered unsporting to move and try and dodge the punch. And um, wasn't it in NFL considered at some point unsporting for the quarterbacks to try and or the the sorry, I don't really know the wide receivers to try and avoid tackles? It was considered cowardly. But at, at some point, people come along and they change the sport. His car placement he's doing things that no one else has thought was allowed. Yeah, I would go with more Mike Tyson in the way he changed it based on Verstappen's style of driving. But yeah, I, I agree with you. He is he has taken everything the rules have given him and he drives to their absolute limits. And so the discussion becomes, is that a style of driving that you enjoy watching mm. rather than is he just being a, you know, cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater? Okay, we took it there. Okay. <laughs> Brad's. Um, you, so you mentioned, you asked, is that a style of driving you enjoy watching? You were about to move on to it before we started yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. You go, 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 go. Yep. The second restart where, so so obviously what happened next, just to fill in the narrative, I'll take Matt's role for this part. Oh, okay. Um, Ocon was leading. The race was red flagged again. Do it in an accent. After some negotiation between Red Bull, uh, no, Matt? Verstappen was leading. Ocon was second. Hamilton was third. Oh, at the red flag, which yeah. occurred almost immediately after turn one. Absolutely yeah. right. Sorry, Matt. I, I apologize. Yes. So after the positions were adjusted following Red Bull's negotiation with Michael Massey, Ocon was leading at, at the next restart and, and Verstappen was dropped behind Lewis. Despite Red Bull initially saying, we'll accept that if that mean if the deal means that we're still in front of Hamilton, which made no yeah, sense no, whatsoever, yeah. but whatever. And this time around, I saw some driving from Max that I really did like. So I don't want to appear like I am against Max Verstappen um, for any reason other than the the bad things that I might see on track. Yeah. This was an example of a great thing. He absolutely mugged Lewis and Ocon into turn one in a beautifully um, precise, well-judged and good overtaking move. Lewis left a little bit too much room, but didn't really do anything particularly wrong. Max just took full advantage of the gap that was there. And that's the, I'd love if that was the driving we always saw from Max. I have a question for you. All right. I heard you mention Lewis left the door open a little bit. And, and that was my sense. It was like an oddly weird start, knowing that the inside of turn one is, is, is that inside line is what you want. But am I the only one who saw Ocon pointed the wrong direction for the start? Like, Man, I don't want to be anywhere near any of this drama. <laughs> that might I mean, be pointed, the case. He was pointed the opposite direction that you'd be if you wanted to lead into the first turn. Uh, that might be the case, but Brad, I think, um, I, I think, yeah, Lewis was occupied with Ocon, and and Verstappen just appeared 
down the inside and then did what he normally does, which is go all the way to to the outside and just take that line. And then, of course, for Lewis to avoid that, which I think had had that had Ocon not been there, we'd have just seen Lewis go off track, rejoin behind Verstappen, and it'd have been fine. Then has to hit Ocon, and you go, well, obviously the front wing's not going to survive that, and it did because apparently we've got the Captain America of front wings. On, on Lewis's car. But yeah, Verstappen, you've got to say, just out just outdid both of them. Yeah, I think Lewis, because he got quite a good start and his focus was yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. Like, yeah, I'm taking sorted. the yeah. lead. Yeah. I just think he didn't expect Verstappen to do such a, an audacious, very tight inside move. And, I, and Lewis didn't completely leave the door open. He was on a line which was good enough to make the corner whilst carrying some decent speed. He, I just don't think he expected Max to make such a good move, if I'm honest. And my fiance sat next to me watching this made a great point, which was, why did he care so much about Ocon when Verstappen is the only person yeah. in this race that matters to him? But I think he just wanted to avoid any silly incidents. And you've got to look at one person or the other. You can't look in both directions necessarily at the same time. That's the thing. It's the avoiding, isn't it? I, I totally agree with that point. I think that is... That was one of the moves that I was like, yes, Max, actually, that is the driving that we have praised you for. Like last season, like we're, that's what we're praising for all the time. You know, there was so much like good words going around that was like, everyone was like, yes, go on, Max Verstappen as a driver. That's what that's what we look for. That's yeah. what we like. So on the Ocon point as well, um, the, the interview with Mick Schumacher obviously didn't work out well for him. But the interview pre-race, they were just like, oh, yeah, we're just going to try and stay out of trouble because it's one of those races where you could, out of nowhere, end up in the points. Yep. Obviously, yeah, we know what happened there. But isn't Ocon just in a perfect position where he's thinking, yeah. Do you know what, lads? <laughs> let's just try and let's just say, say, stay safe here. Obviously, sadly, towards the end, that, that didn't like, well, I, I'm not going to say that didn't play off because, you know, so, so close, like tiny margins there. Yeah. But for Ocon, he's just like, Do you know what? I've got myself here. We're not going to take any chances. Let's try and hold hold the fort. And and that's what he did. Again, Lewis just wasn't expecting it at all. And it was a lovely bit of driving for Max. Yeah. And for Ocon's point of view, if he just goes, right, do you know what? If I just stay ahead of one of these guys, we're, as a three, we're going to break away from the pack and I can just go and pick up my, my podium. Yeah. All right. Let, let's carry on with the Lewis and Verstappen incidents because I, I think in many ways this is the most interesting one, this is the one that actually got a Verstappen penalty that got him penalised. And this is the one that led to the, oh, you, you need to let Lewis by. So I think this was after about 4,000 virtual safety cars, Matt. Would you like to know? Yeah, go this on This was me. the fourth virtual safety okay. car. It was we so had one lap 24, one yeah. lap 28. One again started lap 29 and lasted to lap 33. And then we yeah. had a very short one on lap 36. And that's the one that mattered. Yeah. And if you happen to have been cheering on Lewis Hamilton, uh, it was frustrating. I think he was getting very close in the DRS zone, losing a little bit. And, and I think at that point, I think we've seen from Lewis Hamilton this season, a little bit of patience. We saw in Brazil, uh, you know, he saw uh, a couple of stabs at, at Vettel and went, no, I need to do something different. And, and I think we saw him sizing up Vettel quite well. And then when, just when there was momentum going, there seemed to be a virtual safety car. We go, oh, okay, okay, okay. Then it comes back again. It's two seconds. Um, there was a kerfuffle with them trying to get past Kimi Raikkonen. And, but it, what was clear was no matter what was the gap, Hamilton could close that back up to DRS range. So that's kind of where we were. And then this next overtake around the outside, this is exactly, Brad, what you would predict would happen. So if if you were to look at this situation in advance and then go, right, Hamilton, they go around the corner, 
0.5 seconds ahead, he's got DRS and the straight, what happens next? You'd go, hmm, I think Verstappen will hold the inside line, Hamilton will go down the outside, Verstappen will absolutely send it and, and cut off track. And, and lo, it came to pass. Yeah, so exactly as you describe it, Verstappen defended to the inside down the pit straight. Hamilton went the only way he could. You could see he wanted the inside. Hamilton waited. He yeah. waited to see, yeah. is Max going to jink back to the no, right? Verstappen, and, and he, he jealously guards that inside. That's his MO. Yeah, so Lewis, Lewis waited. He waited for the opportunity to go to the left because that would be the high ground. It didn't present himself, itself, so he went to the outside. So effectively, we've now got the opposite situation to when Lewis was on the inside and Max then decided to abort and go wide. This time, Lewis gets passed on the outside. He's got a decent overlap turns into the first corner max then goes mm. deep on the brakes yeah. again no hope of really making no, the corner no, at no. that speed and i'm not he gonna just, I, I, he yeah, sends I, it straight in much yeah. like at brazil yeah with, with with not even half a chance of ever staying on the track has the the oversteer which then comes with that by going in too fast and hamilton is forced once again as we've seen a few times now to take avoiding action because if hamilton does what he has a right to do which is just carry on on a controlled trajectory max clatters into the side of him max benefits if they both go out of the race mm. so he uh, he they're f- both forced across the runoff uh, and they continue so this is yeah as you were saying this is the one that the penalty or the the ask for swapping back the positions was for and it was pretty yeah. clear cut i don't think there's much other decision that the stewards could make so i've just got a message here from scott tuffy who has a great iRacing stream and has been on our iRacing podcast uh search for uh stuffy with like seven Y's. I think he's got like two Y's or whatever. He just said, Hamilton said in an interview afterwards that he specifically said that he uh, has been aware of Verstappen and has got out of his way a few times, um, which he is fine with as he's playing the long game. So this is really an interesting point because in this particular incident, he kind of did anticipate that, let Verstappen outbreak himself and go off. Because in, in Brazil, Brad, he he followed Max all the way out. And they said, well, why not cut back if someone's launching off the end of the track? And, and this time he did. He essentially let him fly off the track. Wasn't the fastest way, but he let him do it and then stayed on. And once again, I just want to point out, because I want to keep grounding us to this fact, this isn't normal racing. This isn't good racing. No. This, the move that Lewis was forced to do there, you know, wait for the driver to go wide, cut across, and then continue on the track. This is what you do as a good go-kart driver racing against amateurs on a stag do you let them go way too deep and then you cut back on them on the exit because you can see they just overcooked it and they're going to go yeah. wide or deep i feel attacked this isn't, but okay this isn't yeah well, well i'm sure you, <laughs> yeah. you've been that yeah, you've been yeah, on yeah that i've been that guy so again this isn't how good racing normally happens the correct thing that would have happened in that situation for that to be a good piece of racing viewing is verstappen doesn't give up he tries to stay there and he breaks as late as he can whilst maintaining control, leaving a car's width to Lewis on the outside and both staying on track. And they go through that corner side by side because they're some of the best drivers, if not probably the best two drivers in the world. What Max is demonstrating in this, in this instance, as we've seen a lot of times, is desperation and a lack of an ability to race well in a in a close fight on track or a lack of willingness not ability max has the ability to race cleanly that's why this is a problem it's a lack of willingness and it's it's a cheap lazy way of going racing <laughs> matt well yeah i know i winced as well <laughs> well right look i take your point about the style of it 
I was frustrated because I feel like Max could have made a lot of those defenses while at least technically adhering to what we would call the normal limits of the track. And I think the, the overall spectacle would have been the better for it. But it's also important to remember that Max isn't there necessarily to entertain us. He is there to do one thing, and that is yeah. win this championship. And he knows. Like, and, and again, it's the same thing. You could go back to the decision-making. Well, yeah, you could, you could argue his intent. And I would always say intent is hard to argue. But if you assume his intent, even in the first uh, instance, was to go off track, come back on, force Lewis off, and wind up in the lead, and then make the FIA make him give that position back because who knows what might happen in yeah. the meantime. Well, they might just not. They might just they might exactly. Appeal against so him. so he is he is to his understanding of what he can mm. possibly get away with doing everything possible yeah. to win this championship. All I'll say is that I don't I don't think it's lazy. That's the only reason I was wincing with Brad was. Uh, Obviously, it's emotive words. I don't think it's lazy. I think I think it's deliberate. I think he knows what he's doing. I don't think he's like, oh, I'm a terrible driver and that's the only way I can race. I think he's choosing to race that way. Okay, well, if he thought he could maintain the position by fighting legally, would he have done? Or is mm. he doing it because that's that's the easier way to maintain the position? Just just cut the corner. Uh, it's all lost, but if I just cut across, maybe I'll keep it that way. It's, that, that seems lazy uh, to okay. me. When, when we're talking about the best drivers in the world. Is he doing it because it's easier? Is he doing it because it's been repeatedly not enforced? I yeah. think that's actually probably more likely. Because it's, he, it's repeatedly it, not being enforced, yeah. and and he and maybe it'll work because he gets yeah. away with stuff other times. Uh, yeah, and uh, or you could say it's a never say die attitude. You could, you could say that, couldn't you? You could say it's, it's a never give up attitude. He's, he's all the about of, let them race, king of the lost cause. Yeah, and just to reiterate that the incident we're discussing now, which I think was either the beginning of lap 36 or, or the end of lap 36 to the beginning of lap 37, where Hamilton was ahead and Max just took him way off track. That was the penalty generating yes, it was. incident. Yes. That's where the five seconds came from. And if you take it back to 36 or 37, the general understanding that I have of the give the position back rule is that it must be done within three laps. And that was why I believe, and this is me speculating now because I didn't have time to run it down properly before the show. I believe that's why you saw both the give back the position message and then the subsequent five second message. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is because, because it went too many laps. And so the time penalty was automatically applied. Speaking of time penalties, my goodness. All right. This is going to be a long <laughs> show. We might have to, let's, let's reconvene as well, I think. And we'll, we'll do something right. in the, in the week uh, before the season finale. It is next week, isn't it? Abu Dhabi. Blimey. <sighs> Which is like tomorrow now, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'll be emotionally ready for <laughs> it by then with both drivers on zero points difference to each other um but look we, we will have to i mean we've been building up to the the slowdown the uh the attempted give back and the contact between lewis hamilton and max verstappen they came around the corner they were in an acceleration zone and suddenly we see lewis hamilton go into the back of uh of max verstappen i'm gonna go to you ellen i'm gonna say uh how did you what was your re initial reaction? Uh, my initial reaction has basically landed me in very hot water, and I'm not entirely sure that when I go back to the house, my key will work. But what was yours? So my initial reaction is very different to 
how I feel about it now. So oh, I'll say okay. my initial reaction yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I'll I'll pipe back up later. No, no, I imagine give us it probably all. after Brad. Well, so my 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 initial reaction was what is Max doing? Like where did that come from? Like I just couldn't I didn't really understand. I thought maybe I, I might was it when Lewis went on his radio and said is he brake tested? I thought maybe is he brake tested him? Um I didn't really understand where that had come from, like why he'd slowed down to the extent he did in the, the sort of the, the, the space he did as well, sort of how sudden it was. And then sort of looking at it afterwards, and it's mostly been sort of the conversations that have happened like after when everyone's trying to figure out what the heck went on, is um, probably I'm sort of more down that I'm not sure Lewis understood what was happening. Oh, when, you're uh, blaming I'm, Lewis, are you? I'm, no, 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 no. <gasps> I'm not blaming okay. Lewis. And this is the thing. I'm not blaming Lewis at all because Lewis is not there being like, Feedback is, at Miss Apex, don't you? No, no. <laughs> I'm not blaming Lewis. I'm saying I don't think the message was put across to Lewis yeah. well enough and clearly enough. And I do think I, I, I'm sort of on, on the sort of line. I do understand the point and the point that was made of maybe Lewis didn't really know what was happening, saw Max slow down, realised he still needed to be behind Max with the DRS and in that with the line coming up and needed to be in that position that he was. So just then slowed down towards the line, not really understanding what happened because like has been said afterwards, the message about giving the place back hadn't been properly relayed to him. Now, I got to be honest, because Lewis and me are both old guys in this situation. Don't lie to us. I completely get how baffling it would be because he did not know. The team had not told him that Mm. Max was giving the position back. Yeah, to my knowledge, uh, and and in fact, I believe Ron Meadows yelling at Mazzy on the phone was like, no, I was still telling the engineer that when this happened, (laughs) Lewis had no idea. He comes around a corner. Max suddenly slows up. He's obviously confused. Not sure. Is it a red flag? Is there an incident? Because again, very short sight lines. And then bang, suddenly Max is way slower and he's taking avoiding action and removing Weirdly, more bits of his front wing that made him go even faster, which I don't entirely understand, but I'll, I'll leave it to the aerodynamic experts to explain why a wing without an in-plate is faster than a wing with an in-plate. <laughs> I think that the reaction from Mercedes was so genuine when they were shouting at Massey. I just think that as we've seen this race, or the basically the weekend, Massey has had an absolute mare, bless him. He's had a he's had a right mare, and as like you were saying, he was like, "I've got too many buttons in front of me. I don't know what's gone on with him. He's he's got too many buttons in front of him, and something somewhere down the line has not happened at the right time. He's probably informed Mercedes late. Mercedes are then trying to inform the engineer as quick as, as the incident is happening, and so I that's I I'm I'm re- I struggle to initially jump in and be like it is max's fault yeah straight off the bat with that i know brad's gonna jump in because he's got his, his evidence that's gonna say otherwise yeah well, but, why and do you think I i've do... gone to you first <laughs> just to get it so i don't get attacked um but no i then i do think I, I i i'm not sure like obviously i've watched the end of yeah. sort of like the post-race analysis and i the the the, the sort of in, the story they had and the the point they made about the drs um, line, detector yeah. made sense and the line made sense but oh there you go brad's already like <laughs> he's really like now don't be intimidated um, by me brad <laughs> philpot go on um but yeah i don't i struggle 
from and this was me initially being like max what are you doing i i with mercedes reaction i've gone back to the sort of thinking that it's just maybe partially a miscommunication all i want is it ron meadows is it this this, we've been hearing a lot from ron meadows all i want is ron meadows to not sell me anything because i think i would buy anything that he you know everything sounds super reasonable what oh you think that but you could just give me all your money and i think I need to live in a world where Rod Meadows doesn't ask me for all my money because I think he could persuade me to, Brad. Okay, so there's there's okay, a lot to unpack Okay, here we go. Sell here. down, everyone. So first of all, here we go. I don't blame Ellen for drinking the Red Bull Kool-Aid. Their smoke and mirror <laughs> tactics of, of attempting to deflect Ooh, what is the reality on. of this situation away from the actual facts is admirable and uh, expected. But I'd like to just put the reality of the situation across. And that is that... <laughs> I don't believe for a moment that Lewis was trying to wait for until he was in a preferable position with the DRS zone, because I don't believe the timeline will show factually that Lewis had even been told that Max was allowing him past at that point. I don't think he knew what was going on. I think he saw a car in front, which has been, let's be honest, a bit of a liability when in racing situations around other cars, slowing down. And we all know that if both of these cars are out of the race in this round, it would only benefit Max because he's the championship leader. So the the car, the situation that Lewis saw approaching was his rival slowing weirdly in front of him. Mm. And if he knew it was just a case of being allowed through, I don't think he would have cared a jot about getting DRS. You don't need DRS when you're already the one in front with a good advantage and a straight line speed advantage. I think Lewis would have backed himself to maintain that position by just being ahead. And so I don't buy that version of events. I think that's just Red Bull trying to deflect from the fact that, first of all, their driver was being asked to allow a car back through because of a bad thing they'd done. So let's not forget that Max Verstappen has caused this situation in the first place. So the reason that a car needs to allow another car through is because of a bad thing that that car has done. So first of all, the whole situation is because of something that Verstappen has done in the first place. Next up, in no, in no universe do you get to see that a car is closing down on you from behind. And at the last minute, when you know they're directly behind you, nail the brakes to the point where you actually lock your own rear brakes. Well, hang on. How do we know he locked his brakes? Okay. So uh, I've seen, seen this question asked by, by you as well, Spanners. Yeah. And to me, it was immediately obvious from the first time I saw Max's on board that he'd locked his brakes and that he braked very hard, not only because of what you can visually see in the video, but from what you can here audibly from the engine revs so as anyone who who knows the dynamics of of a car will know when the clutch isn't depressed or engaged uh, and you slow the car down the engine revs drop so as the as the speed of the car drops the engine revs drop and the sound changes when you brake hard those revs drop very very quickly and when you absolutely nail the brakes hard you can lock the brakes and if your rear brakes lock the engine revs effectively drop to zero that's how you can tell that that there are wheels are locked you can also hear a little bit of tire chatter as the rear tires scrabble for a grip and, and initially lock up okay. and come very very close to locking up so if you watch the video which is pinned to the top of my twitter profile which had quite a few views at this point it's the last few moments mm. just before the contact between hamilton and verstappen yeah and you hear max break and then suddenly break really hard and you hear the engine revs drop to almost zero before hamilton then hits the back of him and max immediately floors the throttle to drive away because he knew exactly what was going on. He was fully aware of the situation. Okay. I'm going to start with this. 
if Max brake checked Hamilton, that's very, very, very bad. <laughs> okay. But okay. where I'm going with this is that you're basing your entire analysis off the audio of an onboard. And I would want to be absolutely sure that audio was 100% synced up with what happened in real life. So I would prefer to let the stewards who are looking at this incident see the actual telemetry. I, I understand what you're saying, Brad, but before I went all the way out on that limb, yeah, I would want no, the no, telemetry no. and not just audio off an onboard that I watched on a computer screen. I'm with you. There was a definite problem with engine sounds being out of sync with the pictures when they went to the onboards in previous seasons. They do seem to have sorted that for the TV broadcasts. Uh, Brad? Unless the sound of Hamilton's impact was somehow um, oh, transposed in the wrong order with the deceleration, okay. it doesn't even matter if the audio is completely in sync with the video, which it definitely is because the gear changes happen at exactly the correct time in the video and the audio. But all that matters is the timeline. Deceleration, gentle deceleration, which is a lift. And as most people know, at around 100 miles an hour, purely lifting off the throttle in a Formula One car, the drag that's produced yeah. by those cars is like braking in a road car anyway. So there's no need when you're letting someone through to actually okay. brake, particularly not when they're directly behind you. So to suddenly brake very hard when your rival is directly behind you is, is either, it's either deliberate. And I'm not saying it was deliberate because we don't know the full facts. You, you of can't get in his thinking. head. Yeah. You can't either, be in his mind, either yeah. it was deliberate or it was dangerously incompetent. And both of which should be a penalty. Yeah. I mean, you, you I just, I think Max knows exactly what he's doing. And uh, uh, Ellen. No, I was just going to say, like, if we are basing our arguments of the points we made before, like Max knows what he's doing, where he's going, making these moves. He knows that he can go in harder and can run other people off off the off the track, and you know, to the weight to the extent he does. I don't think we can and say that that's him being clever, but also dangerous. I don't think we can make the same argument that he's being incompetent. The thing that Brad didn't address, and this I would be curious to get your opinion on. And, and I hesitate to bring up my own sad sim racing experiences, but if I'm letting someone by, mm -hmm. I usually don't occupy the dead middle of the track. Yeah, Max will argue that he was over to one side. And I would say from the approaching car's view, certainly from Hamilton's on board, it's unclear which way that car in front's going. We know in this track, mm. big closing speeds, as we saw you know, when people are slowing down to start qualifying laps and someone on a hot lap approaches them, closing speeds are dangerous um, and you don't want to come into contact with the car ahead. You want to be confident of where they're going. And when someone's slowing down for an unknown reason, Max could, for all Lewis knows, Max could have had a penal, uh, uh, sorry, a puncture or mm. an engine problem or something which was causing his car to, to drive erratically. He just wanted to be super sure that when he passed him, if he was going to pass him, he understood the situation and he wasn't going to have a car suddenly in this side pod. Uh, and as it happened, the way it panned out was he followed him directly. Max kind of wandered a bit and started to move to the right and then immediately braked hard. Uh, and Lewis made every attempt to avoid Max. He, he turned immediately to the left to take avoiding action. And I was stunned that the front wing wasn't broken beyond repair. And I know you mentioned how strong it was earlier. Yeah. I, I, I had no confidence that he was going to continue with that same nose and wing. Mm. Oh, my God. Like, obviously, the brake traces, are, people are posting pictures of brake traces in our live chat, and more evidence will come out. But Toto Wolf said... 
the Verstappen uh, broke, initially started breaking, accelerated, and then broke again. It doesn't look good. I'm really struggling to find a scenario where Verstappen hasn't deliberately overslowed. If Brad is right and he has got to slow to the point where the, the brakes are locking, then that is clearly far too aggressive for just simply letting someone pass. And it's just out of a corner. It's in an acceleration zone. They both kind of naturally drift to the right. Then he moves left. And then and some people are saying, well, why didn't Hamilton just drive around? Well, you could see a big steering input from Hamilton to the left. It just wasn't in time. So at the moment, I'm much more inclined to to blame the car braking in front than the car that didn't quite get out of the way in time. Uh, I, I don't know. Brad, Is there, could you see any situation from what we've seen where Verstappen was justified? Like, are you okay to just... I mean, he's come down loads of gears right at the front of an acceleration zone. I'm really, really struggling to try and be neutral and try and find a defence for the amount of speed that Verstappen lost that quickly and, and allegedly twice, according to, to Wolf. Right. Trying to be super fair to Max. Yep. Here's, here's maybe a potential scenario. Max is uh, he's told to let Lewis through. He wants to just get it done quickly at this point so that they can then get back on. Although I, I don't think that is the case. I think he wants to do it in the most advantageous way for Max because I think he probably realises that once Lewis is ahead, he's going to be able to stretch his legs. So I think Max probably in reality wanted to get straight back past if possible and do whatever would advantage him. Anyway, so I'm trying to be fair to Max, aren't I? Um, maybe he was looking to see where Lewis was. When Lewis didn't immediately pass him, because Lewis wasn't informed quickly enough and didn't really know what was going on, maybe Max thought, no, I want you to come through right now, as in Max, because he knew he was approaching the DRS zone. Maybe Max was one step ahead. And, and the, the hypothesis that people are saying Lewis was trying to do Maybe Max was trying to be that person and, and follow into the DRS detection zone. And, and he just wanted Lewis through right now. And maybe he just misjudged, checked the mirrors, thought Lewis was going to go past on the left, and he just assumed he would go through. So the heavy braking would just make that happen straight away. The reason that I don't think that's the case is you don't want the person to come through dramatically because that means they're going to have a bigger gap when they come through. Mm. Ideally, you want to lift and the moment the person is through, tuck straight back in and follow them as closely as possible. I can't okay. see many scenarios where you would slam the brakes on and that would be a good thing for you unless you were trying to wrong foot the person behind or make them damage their car. Okay, so I, I like the scenario you put forward in the sense that Verstappen expected Lewis to go by and then when he didn't, he slowed again to make it happen. Whether it had to do with the DRS zone or not, I think is irrelevant. But I do want to address a point in the chat. Uh, one of our listeners says, why is there a reason needed Max can stop his car whenever he likes? It's the job of the people behind not to run into him. And I can just categorically say that is actually not true. You cannot drive slowly or erratically on the track at all, according to the um, international mm. sporting code rules and only in the event your car is disabled mm. force majeure will they accept that kind of will they accept that sort of driving i.e my car is broken and i'm just trying to get it out of the way jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com/acast, code acast. Okay, I'm going to put my penny down here. Okay. Looking at this, it's either some great misunderstanding or he was just innocently trying to slow down and let Hamilton pass. I, I, I honestly, at the moment, I, I want to see some evidence that it wasn't deliberate. And I, I, I actually genuinely want to see that evidence. I genuinely want to see that it wasn't deliberate. But everything, my gut, my instinct, looking at the onboards, listening to arguments, it, it, it feels incredibly cynical. It feels like at the most, at the least, he was going to make that as difficult as possible for Lewis Hamilton. And we have evidence that Verstappen plays these games and that he does these things and he drives aggressively. And I, I'm desperate to hear the, the outcome of the stewards' office and the data because right now it feels like Max Verstappen had to let Lewis Hamilton pass and that he broke initially, accelerated, moved to the left and then broke again. And that is a very, very serious matter if that is true. Right. So I agree. I would go so far as to say that I would be confident, modestly confident, if we're going to talk about intent. Verstappen did not intend for Hamilton to hit him because that could have gone badly a lot of different ways. Was he playing games? I would say, yeah, you could argue. Was Lewis playing games on the way to the grid? Yeah, you could argue that too. Did he intend for Lewis to hit him? No. But the reason he got called with the steward, and I have to thank, again, the chat room for looking this up for mm-hmm. me because of time. Um, this is Chapter 4, Appendix L of the Inter- International Sporting Code. Um, causing a collision, repetition of serious mistakes, or the appearance of a lack of control over the car. So it may not be just the brake check that's being looked at here. It might be the pattern of his driving in the entire race will be reported to the stewards and may result in the imposition of a penalty. All right. All right. Uh, Ellen. But like, I, I mean, I've been on Twitter throughout this, but isn't that exactly what? the same? What? How do you know what to think and who I've to be angry I've been in the chat at? room though. I don't okay. know. I've been in the chat room. Um, isn't that the same? And they'll, they'll all tell me if I'm wrong now. Isn't that the same reason why Lewis got called like 15 minutes later? I don't know. I would have to go find the initial. I think they were both summoned, but I think it was I Max it was- that was summoned for the violation. Bear with. Okay, right. No, you can't bear with. You don't have any time because I'm moving on, Alan. And and look, we've done the analysis uh, on uh, Verstappen versus Lewis Hamilton. 
I want to kind of do a review on Michael Massey because he gets to play this game all the time. Whose fault is it? That's his job. His job is to decide whose fault is it and, and, uh, and well, refer things and manage things. So I'm going to put my cards on the table because he comes under a lot of scrutiny. I think he has more restrictions than people perhaps realise. I think he is he is playing a referee's game where the ultimate decisions are actually made by someone else, but he's kind of like a judge. You know, the jury makes the decisions, but he's managing the courtroom. And today, Ellen, we got to see this amazing game of, of deal or no deal. That's a crazy insight for fans to get. What, what was going on there? <laughs> I, I was know. just sat there and I was like, does this top? The time where they were on the phone, where Toto picks up the phone, he's like, "Have you got my email?" I think <laughs> oh, this yes. just, oh my god, I think this just about tops the yeah. email. That was Silverstone, wasn't it? That yeah. was great. That was class. But I genuinely think that this is going to be my new thing because it was like what, I was just, and the fact that he phoned up Red Bull. I'm going to keep doing. I, I like that. the little like telephone. He, sign like you're it, making, like yeah. he actually picked yeah. up like yeah. a proper yeah. old okay. school, like that you're you know, too young to have phones. ever used. Got it? Yeah. Okay. Let's go. I've yeah. used a phone with a wire in it before. <laughs> So he's picked up a phone and he's been like, I can offer you starting <laughs> second starting oh. second on the grid and we won't take this any further. To, and he says that to Red Bull when they, that was not even the offer. That was never that, that he couldn't he couldn't tell them that. So he's offered Red Bull second place on the grid to what Red Bull are probably like. Yeah, Tarby, that's great. And even though they did say, give us two minutes, we'll get back to you. Um. And then he's gone. And then the next thing we hear is him on the phone, Toto, or, you know, he's on the phone with, with Mercedes being like, what I can offer you is, uh, is uh, starting, it, it, starting. Yeah, it's, it's more like he's like mediating between like two like mobs, isn't he? But it? the fact he got the offer wrong for Red Bull just yes, left me so I know, confused. Then he's gone back, gone back to Mercedes, offered them then the right offer. And I'm like, okay, fine, this makes sense. And he's like, just, just the mediation between the two of them. But the fact he's like, and we won't take this any further. He's wheeler dealing his way through the throughout it, and I just, I was, I was here for it. But also, <laughs> do I think it's the best way to handle it? Massey's gone rogue, and like, whoa, <laughs> no, no, Ellen, you can't say Massey's gone rogue. <laughs> no, well, like you know, like, but he's taken matters into his own hands. Well, there's goes our accreditation <laughs> for twenty two, Phil Pot. I, I just thought it was funny that even though Red Bull were offered this unrealistic and actually it turns out incorrect offer of starting second they still were like oh i have to go think about this it's like no you shouldn't have the power to go think about it first of all obviously that was wrong because massey just forgot that ocon was was actually leading but um that that was more of a slip of the tongue or just just a, a brief um little blip but the fact that that he gives them the choice i don't understand this shouldn't be the case the the stewards or or the race director should be ruling with much more of an iron fist and just be dictating, you know, telling them. Who's he shouldn't in charge? Be, he, he, would give the, mm. he would give himself way less work to do if he didn't give off this impression that if you whine to me during the race, oh, I might be yeah. influenced. It's a good point. I don't know why he doesn't. Just, just say, this is the decision, do what I say, or you'll be penalised even worse. It's, maybe it's that he doesn't actually trust what, he's, what the decision is, or maybe he's worried about the backlash, or maybe they are actually penalising consequences rather than the incidents themselves um, what, consistently. Well, Matt, how much power does Massey have? Are we overestimating how much power he has? Do you know, is he, has he got a whip to his back? He has a great deal of power. You think? 
the people looking over his shoulders are the ones with the money mm. who do the hiring and the firing. Now he's in the FIA. Technically those are separate, but realistically he's very, probably very well aware of, of all of it. Um, what I love about this was actually, I, I think I heard a radio from either Ocon or Alpine and they were like, Oh, I think he's forgotten about us. And he had, he'd literally just forgotten Ocon was part of this. And so when he said uh, starting second, what he meant was behind Hamilton and he corrected it. But then I also want to make the following point. I myself am quite glad that my teenage self was not allowed on Twitter and did not have tweets from that time and age to be dragged up and held against me. And oh, would have been we all love Charlie. So White. Yeah. Everyone yeah. respected Charlie Whiting, but none of what he did was subject to any level of public scrutiny, like what Mazzy is up to. For all you know, this is how it's always been run, and you're just you're just finding out about it now. But the offer made to Red Bull was standard. The red flag came out before they made it to turn two. If the race had gone on, they would have said, you have three laps to give the position back or you get a penalty. That's exactly what he did here, except for the cars were in the pit lane because it was another red flag. And they said, you can start behind Hamilton for giving the place back, or I can send it to the stewards who might've assessed a much stricter penalty against you. And, and Red Bull knew it was a good deal and they took it straight away. Undoubtedly for me, one of the things that has made this season on top of it being one of the best in, well, in definitely my living history is the fact that we've now got the the radio of the direct hotline to the FIA. Yeah, it's, it's, because because yeah. this is the thing, it is, and like you say, it's under scrutiny. Like how many times has Massey been made a meme? Like that I'm not Ma Michael Massey Twitter account <laughs> is getting shared like left, right and centre. Who, would, but that's who the runs thing. that? <laughs> but that's, that's the thing, like no, no, no one has had to come up with this sort of like steward wise. Everyone is under that. It, it's not just in F1, it's across the board. But it's bringing fans close to the action. It's bringing their decisions under more scrutiny. Um, and I think it enhances the, the viewing experience. It certainly does for me. Yeah. But like you say, the scrutiny is there. It's very, very high. And, you know, I stand by the point, like, you know, if, if what Mercedes are saying are true, that they didn't have time to relay the message, he's just not had a great day, has he? I, I, think, I think it was fine, Brad. I, I think... The, what he was, what people are, I think are missing is that Mercedes also had to accept this deal. It wasn't just a deal to Red Bull. I think what they were basically saying is, guys, Ocon's first on the grid. They eventually established that. If you swap, we're good. That's the end of the matter. Or we can refer it to the stewards. But I would rather just go. Let's just swap and sort this out. And and they both had the opportunity to do that. So yeah, I, I I didn't mind it. I think that's perfectly. That's a communication. It, it helps the flow of the game in soccer a lot of referees help with the flow they have a word they say hey cut that out they don't just reach for their back pocket and enforce it i agree i agree with the the interpretation that you and matt have just described i just saw a similar thing from spare steward on on twitter where he says it's no different to race control telling a team to give the position back during a race before the stewards then make it a bigger penalty if yeah. they refuse However, it's the way he puts it across, which makes it seem like a decision that yeah. they can then go off and have a little think about. Yeah. It just seems unnecessary. What punishment just do you tell, want? Just tell them to do it. If you want them to give the position back, you're in charge. Say, you will give the position back. This is the reason why. No arguments. Then we don't waste any more time having a discussion about it when there might be other things I need to tend to. And I think maybe because of this kind of attitude where he gets into these discussions and teams feel they can yeah. have a, a to and fro with him, 
it gives him less time to actually focus yeah. on the other things that are happening in the race and things get missed or things get more hectic than they need to be. Who gave Red Bull the right to go, yeah, two minutes, we'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> like, where, who, who is like, yeah, do you know what? We're going to offer you, like, who, what, why is that even an option that they can go, do you know what? We're going to chat amongst ourselves and then get back to you on whether you can penalise us. What, yeah. what is that situation? We're just going to have a scone and then we'll be right with you, Michael. Stop bothering we'll put us. put the kettle on. We're going to put the kettle on and then, then we'll get back to you. Right. As much as I love the characterization and I'm enjoying it, it's very clear that the person talking to Mazzy was not the person with final decision-making authority. And that's what that delay was about. Oh, why, why is the option know, there? But why, but, why, the but, but why is the option there? Yeah, it, it should. Yeah, maybe, maybe there could be, look, deal or no deal. Give me the answer now. Because in an actual race, I would advise you to give that position back. You've not given the position back. I've referred it to the stewards. The people making the decision on giving the position back were not the people that Mazzy was talking to. And he was simply giving them time to go to, I presume, Horner and Marco and say, do you want to do this? Or whoever, the strategist, whoever makes that choice. And then get back to Mazzy. Final point from Ellen. No, I was just going to say, you didn't have to come in a room, man. Amateur dramatization that I'm doing here. Come on, Trump. I enjoyed it, though. I'm having fun. So much better than my boring facts. If you want to see more Amdram from uh, Ellen Ellard, you can follow her at Ellen Ellard. Underscore on Twitter and at Ellen underscore Ellard on Instagram. Cool. And uh, we can see you actually doing some very impressive things, uh, Man City. But basically, you're on camera all the time. You you are mic in hand all the time and people are saying <laughs> lovely things. Oh, that's awfully kind mm. of you. No, oh, Okay, so go and check out Ellen Ellard on Twitter and Instagram. They're the main ones. Good. Uh, Matt is at MattPT55, but you knew that. That's boring. Uh, catch Brad Hot Take Philpot. <laughs> Brad Philpot. You're very honest on Twitter, Brad. To be fair, I I would like to think that despite people's um, people's kind of views, I'm I'm actually not particularly biased. I I just have strong views about how racing should be conducted, and I'll just be honest about it. and And it doesn't matter who the driver is; if they do a bad thing, I'm going to point out the bad thing. Mm. And if they do a good thing, like Max made a great pass at the restart we mentioned earlier, I'll tweet about that too. Um, I don't I just don't get as many reactions from people when I say yeah. that was an awesome overtake, Max. Yeah, he's like no likes, no likes, but yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah, so, follow me um, at Bradley Philpot on Twitter and help me catch spanners up. Um, oh, no, no, no. Closing don't. in fast. No, because if Brad gets more Twitter followers than me, he becomes the host of the show. I believe that's how it works. Let's play a bit more. Whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? Oh dear, oh dear. Uh, Perez versus Leclerc. No further actions from the stewards, but they're wrong. You always have to take actions. I mean, my instinct here, Matt, is to say it's Perez's fault for blinking being there. You were on you were on a good run, Perez. Why are you now fighting Leclerc? And why are you getting spun off by him? Right. Well, since I'm assuming we're more or less looking at the time abandoning where the race was won and lost. Oh, I was yeah, simply- sorry. Delve into my knowledge on this and say that the fault was entirely Red Bulls. Okay. Because they pitted Perez on the safety car, which also, um, to be fair, Hamilton and Botas both did. Mercedes making a mistake by not splitting their strategy and leaving one of their cars in the lead. What were they thinking? I don't know. But more importantly, everyone who pitted there lost, and Perez lost out big. He got a restart in eighth, with Leclerc also pitting and losing out behind him. 
and or in front of him, perhaps, I don't even remember anymore, doesn't matter. It's Red Bull's fault because they shouldn't have pitted him. They should have known with their magic brain eight ball thinking that a red flag was coming and he could have gotten an entirely free pit stop to change his tires, just mm. like Max did. Uh, Alan, Yuki Tsunoda versus Sebastian Vettel. What's your hot take? My hot take is, bless poor Yuki. <laughs> no, don't look at me like that, Trumpets. I know it was his fault, but I'm a little Yuki stan. <laughs> oh, you're a stan? <laughs> no, and I just thought it was so cute when he was like doing his, you know, going down the grid to start with. No, pipe down you. And he was like going down the grid to start with. And I was just like, he was like, yeah, I'm really enjoying it here. And I was like, well, you're, you're probably the only one. Um, Offie is enjoying it. Off he goes. He's, he's really happy and ready. And um, he just caught, gets caught up in the whole, let's all smash into Sebastian Vettel part of the, the race today, which everyone seemed to be getting involved with. Um, but yeah, it wasn't great from Yuki. Mm, but at least but it was, I do, I, if we're playing whose fault was it, it's um, sadly, sadly Yuki's, but. I'm going to wrap him up anyway and go, it's okay, kid, oh. don't you worry. Okay. That's very non-biased of you, Matt. <laughs> Trumpets. Well, I have to apologize, Ellen, because my reaction was not to your lovely and brilliant narrative. It was just to some breaking news in the chat room. So I apologize if I put you off your Oh, point. fine. <laughs> I thought you were going to fight me about Yuki. I was like, I can't do this again. I was, no, fight- no. I was fighting last week. I can't be fighting again. Headlines. Come on, Trumpet's headlines. Oh, you want the headlines? Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Yes. It turns out that Max Verstappen has been served with a, hold on to yourselves, 10-second penalty for causing a collision. Stays second place. Wow. So they have accepted it's his fault. So he's caused the collision. They accept he has caused the collision, but he gets a 10-second penalty in the knowledge that that penalty won't affect him at all. Brad, if he, if he if they had said he didn't cause the collision, I would be happy to accept evidence that he didn't cause a collision. But have we just been told that an F1 driver caused a collision by overslowing and making a driver hit him from behind? And it's a 10 second time penalty. I, so first, I don't first get of all, it. I'd like to point out that once again, the reaction I had from literally watching the footage in front of my eyes in the moment yeah. was correct. And okay. and as I'm sure it will come out in more detail, the data entirely backs up what we mentioned earlier, that you could just clearly see or hear from the audio of Max's onboard. And they've obviously deemed him to be wholly or predominantly responsible for causing a collision, which is normally the wording of these kind of things. But if that is the case, then he's responsible for doing one of the most dangerous things you can do. And they've on a racetrack in a single seater where you do not want a car to the face, which is the danger of, of brake checking your rival and they've they've given him a penalty in retrospect knowing that that makes literally no difference to to the race outcome so again i i don't want to um, beat this drum too much but not a lot of disincentive to him it's not a massive deterrent he's effectively got away with the thing did he even get any penalty points on his license doesn't look like it uh, it's not mentioned in the uh, excerpts in the chat okay. it, it just it just seems like a, another vindication of yeah. Max, the tactics you're using are completely fine. Yeah. And if you're going to get a penalty, it'll be one which actually has no effect. No, no, no that's, 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 that's the same as no penalty. He, he has gotten away with, with causing that collision. Okay, good. Um, look, the time has gone on. We will try and pick up some stuff uh, uh, later on in the week. I hope you do understand that when we're recording a kind of reaction show this close uh, to a race that has had so many incidents, we are going to focus in 
on those um, incidents. There's so many other topics that I was, I'm desperate to talk about. You know, I read this, the strategy in another race here um, early on uh, would have been a fascinating topic in itself the uh, the qualifying um and the tire selection in qualifying and the way the different tires were interacting uh, with different teams and of course the you know the Max Verstappen incident which we we barely touched on the motivation there uh, but this battle between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen is beyond epic it's beyond unprecedented it is certainly a a battle of the, the era, a battle of a, a generation of Formula One. So I hope you'll forgive us for having honed in and talked about that um, so so intensely. You know, normally we would have, okay, the incident point between between Max and Lewis, but there was like five this week. So that is just the way the cookie crumbled. But we do have time for uh, some awards. So uh, I don't know. Why don't we, why don't we move on to, why don't we move on to the podium? <laughs> Ah, I couldn't find the podium button, and it's because all the other buttons have pictures on them except podium, and I didn't read it in time. Let's pretend that never happened. Onto the podium! This is where we give out some awards. The first award is nice and positive, and uh, it's super, like, you know, let's be all happy and stuff. Uh, why don't we go to Ellen first? Ellen, who would you give your thing of the weekend award to to give you some more time to think we have a thing of the weekend bumper i mean i know it means i've played three bumpers now in a row but that's just how it goes sometimes and uh, breaking news we have two points on max verstappen's license okay makes me feel a bit better but why have you brought the mood down i don't know after that you've got to play the bumper again now okay let's let's do a happy bumper again no, that's a... <laughs> you don't know your buttons. No, I don't, do I? Ellen, what was your thing of the weekend? <laughs> my thing of the weekend? Can it be Michael Massey deal or no deal? Yes, it absolutely can. There we go. <laughs> so you went from completely slating that and saying it was terrible to no, actually it's I'm your not say- thing I'm of the weekend. I'm saying in principle it's terrible, but my God, did it make me laugh. And it's the same. I think I probably said the same about the emails as well. I think it's pure chaos but I absolutely love it. And I just love, like I said before, for a fan viewing experience, a hotline to Michael Massey that we can hear on the telly. This is quality. <laughs> yep. Like, no, it, it's honestly, it's so, so good. It brings up the viewer experience. We're closer to the decisions. Yeah, that means that we're maybe a bit more critical and maybe that makes F1 Twitter a bit more of like an explosive area to be at the minute. But it is so good, and it means that I get to do my impressions like I did earlier. So that's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna be thankful for this okay. weekend. Brad Philpot, what was your thing of the weekend? Thing of the weekend has to be that we got through this weekend without, in Formula One at least, any serious injuries. Um, Formula Two, I think Enzo Fittipaldi is still in hospital with leg injuries. I've not heard an update. But oh yes, we came away largely unscathed. That's got to be a good thing of the weekend, Matt. Two rumpets. I would say, given all that happened today, the fact that we were going to the last race absolutely tied on points. Only other time this happened was 1974 with Regazzoni and Fittipaldi, if my stolen statistics from Twitter are correct. We're going to get to see the last race of the year decide the champion. And uh, you could not ask for a better ending to this entire season than that. Yep, and uh, I think uh, I will give my thing of the weekend too. You'll like this, Matt. Esteban Ocon, even though he got pipped at the end, that 
that really was a good defence for the podium as well. And, I, and I'm sorry we didn't quite get beyond the, the front two today. Let's do the negative thing award, um, the missed apex award. Oh, no, you missed the apex. Who missed the apex for you, Brad? Um... Uh, okay, so this is just this isn't a fit. This isn't a person. This isn't a who. This is a a thing. This is the fact that driving standards are, are just going to carry on being as they currently seem to be deemed acceptable. I just don't really like it. There's no no major deterrent for anyone to not carry on doing the things that we saw this weekend. And and yeah, so my my bad thing award, my missed apex award, is just that driving standards are a bit bad at the moment. Okay, Matt Two Rumpets, who missed the apex for you? Oh, jeez, so many people did, but you know what? You know who really missed the apex, and it was sad. And in a way, it kicked all this off. It's got to be Haas. Both their drivers are out by lap <laughs> yeah. seventeen, and they were packing like they were. They were talking about the restart, and they showed shots from inside the garage, and like they were, they were like pulling the screens down, packing up the boxes, <laughs> and I'm just like. Oh man, I feel so bad for you guys because ah, uh, ah, uh, you know, ah. Uh. Okay, well, I can't. Uh, you've, you've left me an easy one. Uh, I, the track. I don't think that track is suitable for F one. Uh, I'm so surprised how that layout. Uh, I mean, if if that was on a in Silverstone and all those left rights were at Silverstone in open plains and you could see it all happening. I mean, maggots and beckets. If you put walls around maggots and beckets that would be lethal and people would say that that's insane so yeah like brad said I'm, I'm happy we got away with it but that is my missed apex award do we have a pony anywhere does anyone have a pony are there any ponies I, I, that means having to find another button i don't know why i can't see daddy oh here it is daddy i want a <laughs> pony i was gonna do it myself and i want it now it's been a long day brad i mean it's so hard to choose between the litany of ponies that okay. everyone in the Red Bull organization present at the track seem to um, kind of put themselves up for. It's like everyone wants to be our pony award. Let's go for um, engineer saying to Max on the way back into the pits after the race that, oh yeah, we're really hard done by, don't, don't agree with those decisions. When in fact, as is often the case, they've actually got off really lightly for yeah. doing some pretty bad stuff. Oh, in that case, I get to go Christian Horner for uh, when he, he was in the interviews. Like, clearly, and now it has been kind of proved and, uh, and approved by the steward, clearly Verstappen has, like, stopped, caused a collision and had Hamilton go into the back of him. And his narrative the whole way through is, yeah, well, yeah, Lewis drove into the back of us. We don't know why. That's that's worthy of a pony for me. Okay. Uh, and uh, the last award is for our live chat here and you can um, join our live chat at the moment it is currently just for our patrons we're not doing the youtube live chat but there's lots of other benefits to being a patron so why not go and check out patreon.com forward slash missed apex to see if you want to be a supporter of missed apex we are only here because of our patrons and they are in our live chat and will be vying or have vied for comment of the week okay matt this week I will decide who is the winner out of your nominees. I never get to decide. Okay, you're all trying to impress me. No, sorry, Ellen. No, I don't. You, have... didn't, you didn't ask me a pony. Oh, you sorry. You didn't ask me about Miss Apex. And now I don't even get, what's the point? I'm just, I'm just Did I leave, leave out the, the Miss Apex? No, I'm just genuinely just going to leave the chat now. Oh, I'm so sorry. What? Well, well, okay, so your Miss Apex is that I forgot to ask you your Miss Apex. Oh, it absolutely is. And I'm my pony for getting upset about that. (laughs) 
that's quite good. I do want to hear your Miss Apex and Pony though. Oh no, you, no, both of them were taken by you. Oh, I was going it. Christian Horner and the track, oh, and I had some really good and passionate points to make. But now I'm not even going to bother because it's maybe, not worth it. Maybe I telepathically knew that all along. Uh, whilst I take my foot out of my mouth, Matt, who are the nominations for comment of the week? We shall start with Karen, who says it was a nice, calm race until Mick did his Leclerc impression. Yeah, it was like a carbon copy. Uh, EJ referencing um, Verstappen's creative overtaking skills. He Alonzoed that corner. <laughs> okay. John yeah. Neeson is in with vibranium front wings are illegal. Christian Horner, probably. Right. Uh, Squaremark is in, even after having the whole race discussed, talked about, mulled over, and explained, I still don't really know what happened. Patty, the two best drivers in the world. Great. You've made Stroll cry. <laughs> well, he is one of the best talents in F1. And finally, our friend Mia F1 in with Mazzy running F1 like the last few seconds on an eBay auction. Um, okay. That is, who is, who did that one? That would be Mia F1. Say it again. Play it again, Sam. Mazzy running F1 like the last few seconds on an eBay auction. Comment of the week. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, take a deep breath. Uh, do go and follow uh, the panel. Uh, me, obviously, at Spanners Ready. Go and follow me on Twitter. Or Richard Ready on Facebook. Go and follow Ellen at Ellen Ellard, Brad at Brad Philpot, and Matt at MattPT55. Links to uh, all the the people's Twitter handles and all our, our things of interest are all in the show notes on YouTube and on your podcast app. And, of course, the link to the Race Weekend magazine that we've been talking about. Go and check it out because it will make an ideal Christmas present for the F1 fan in your life. Four beautiful A3 magazines landed on your doorstep. Two are out already, and I think two more will be released early in the new year. Hundred dollars. That's a good. That's a good Christmas present for a, a for a um, for an F1 fan, and they will have a coffee table. A3 book from a great friend of Mr. Apex podcast, Magnus Greaves and Race Weekend magazine. Um, We are doing stuff with them. This is not like a random advert from a stranger. This is me wanting my friend's business to take off and you will get a great product. In return, we have them in our house. They take pride of place on our piano, making us look dead posh. So click that link below and um, and tune in. We will try and do something midweek as well because we really have to catch our breath after this Grand Prix and somehow prepare ourselves for uh, an exciting finale in Abu Dhabi. Let's, quick prediction before we go. Who's winning the championship, Brad? It's, this is a real cop out. It's so hard to tell because Abu Dhabi has now changed. Yeah, changed. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say Hamilton because uh, let's be optimistic. And I think he's, <laughs> I think he's driven more Fairly and cleanly, and he's who I'd like to win. So oh, that's my honest that's thoughts. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm a neutral, so I've got no preference. But Ellen, who who do you think will win? Not who do you want to win? Um, as much as the face I just pulled, um, I think it will be. I think it will be Hamilton, just because level on points. The performances we've seen from the past two for Hamilton past three, like I think, I think it's got to be Matt. Well, uh, the reprofiled circuit, I think, uh, will favor mercedes given especially red bull's rear wing struggles all right and and i think i think the desperation you saw from max today was the awareness that 
they are going to be forced to use a non-optimal rear wing in Abu Dhabi. Mara, thank you very much for joining us. Like I said, we will try and catch up with things in the week, but wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex Podcast. So I deliberately played different music. Oh, have you got more breaking news, Brad? No, I mean, I actually really like that music. Um, so it's not its not more breaking news, but I just wanted to point out the wording of, of the steward's decision. Okay. Um, the, the driver of car 33, so Verstappen, braked suddenly 69 bar and significantly. Okay. So well, how was that? As, as I described from yeah. the video. Wow. It what what I said happened happened. I'm just trying to yeah. point this out. How how is that not much more of how more much more of a penalty? Yeah, it's um like why isn't it, that a disqualification? They've actually they've actually agreed that he did a really dangerous yeah. thing, which Smash. is one yeah. of the cardinal sins of driving on a track. You know, yeah. breaking suddenly and hard in front of a competitor, and they've gone, yep, he did it. But pff, meh, we'd quite like everyone to go to the final round on the same point. So. Mm-hmm. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.